Hello and welcome. The new Karnataka Chief Minister and the Cabinet will take oath on Thursday. The Gandhi, the National Congress Chief Malikarjuna Kharge will attend the event. The Congress has sent out invitations to quote-unquote like-minded parties to attend the oath-taking event. But who will be sworn in? That is the million-dollar question. The Congress Party has asked its National Chief Malikarjuna Kharge to decide who will be the new Chief Minister of Karnataka. They've asked him to take a decision after a meeting of their uh, MLAs. The Karnataka MLAs met this evening at a five-star hotel in Bangalore. The party's two top Karnataka leaders, former Chief Minister Siddharamaya, the State President D.K. Sivakumar, they've openly spoken about their aspirations about becoming the next Chief Minister and supporters of both these uh, Congress leaders were out in full force, shouting slogans, out-shouting each other outside the Bangalore Hotel, Bengaluru Hotel, where the meeting took place. Uh, there's a poster war that's been taking place, actually. So the Ramaya supporters put up a poster outside his home in Bengaluru, referring to him as the next Chief Minister of Karnataka. Similarly, posters came out outside Mr. Sivakumar's home, wishing birthday greetings to the new Chief Minister of Karnataka. His birthday is tomorrow on Monday. Now, the BJP has been voted out of power in Karnataka. It's only bastion in the south until yesterday when the Congress won with 135 seats, way above the majority mark in this 224-member House. With this loss, the BJP has lost control of the lone southern state that was under its rule. So the party ruling at the centre has been wiped out from the whole of the south of India. On the other side, the win is a boost for the Congress, for workers and leaders who are desperately looking to revise their electoral fortunes, position itself as the main opposition player in 2024. But how did the Congress pull off this victory? Was it, um, was it, uh, was it a focus on local issues? Was it avoiding getting entangled in Hindutva rhetoric? Let's go across to Srija. Srija. Bangaluru is normally associated with having a very active civic politics, right? Civic engagement. But unfortunately, this time also, what we've seen, and this hasn't been covered enough, is a voter turnout or civic apathy in big cities like Bangaluru. What do you have for us? Well, that's right. In fact, we are joining you tonight uh, right outside Vidhan Sagar, the power corridors. And of course, like you did point out just about a few minutes ago, we still do not have a chief minister. But however, Congress has emerged victoriously. But like you did point out, what really did Bengaluru vote for? So one major important thing what we've seen is that, you know, despite Karnataka, one best thing that we can look at here is Karnataka's best ever performance has been this time. Overall voting percentage has been way much above, just about a few uh, points higher than last time 2018, which was 72.88%. But if you're talking about Bengaluru, Bengaluru for some reason, even when you had the election commission also look at, you know, the urban apathy of the city Silicon, you know, what you call it, the IT capital, uh, the Silicon capital, we have not seen really much of a voter turnout. Why? When you have active citizen engagement from this city, you have people, you know, taking out on Twitter, social media, ranting, whining, questioning, but you do not have them turn, uh, you know, especially to their booths and cast their vote. So today we are bringing to you, speaking to these uh, voters here who have voted for a new government, but why, what is the change are they looking at? But firstly, uh, to you, uh, Sunita, let me ask you this. Yes, you all are the urban crowd out here, yeah. but the urban apathy that we're talking about is lack of 
participation by citizens. But do you let me come across? We've also seen very less, uh, you know, women candidates. Let me begin with that. We have not seen much of representation. Yes, you would talk about 33% of reservation. Yes. But you don't really have women representation at all. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this year there, uh, there could have been uh, more. Mm. Uh, but there are 11 this year. I yes. think uh, in the 1980s, at some point of time, there were 13. And that was the highest that there has been. And considering, I think in uh, Karnataka, half the constituencies, uh, women are the larger number of voters. True. I think we definitely need more women to be given tickets. That's, our, yes. that's how the irony. Now to you, come over to you. If you could tell us what exactly did you vote for? What were the key issues that we, you were looking at in the last probably three and a half or five years that you have not really seen in your constituency. What is that one change that you hoped? Uh, exactly. What we voted for is the change and in the infrastructure development of Bangalore. Mm. Today, if you see in terms of a small monsoon or a rain, the entire IT capital floods up. Mm. And we are the number two sort of revenue breakers of, uh, uh, you know, revenue generators of the entire country. But then when you look at the infrastructure, it's not up to the mark. Mm. So I think all the previous governments, for that matter, mm. have not actually developed into, you know, uh, raising the infrastructure of our city, the Bangalore yeah, you can city. Whether you yes. can match up to all that uh, standards which the government or rather the parties call it let's have a model like uh, New York what do you have to talk about when you say about women representation do you think there should be more women candidates there, there should have been 33% uh, women's candidate but uh, in spite of uh, parliament uh, discussion there was not passed in the parliament to give 33% to women's still they should have made it because there are many active women are there in all the parties true, true. The, all the parties they should have given chance to women's too. Yes. What, what about you? What, what do you think about the thought, you know, in terms of asking, you know, they could have uh, given more, um, you know, space in terms of candidates? Yes, I think that would have definitely got more people to vote also because yeah. a lot of, almost 50% are women voters mm -hmm. and why only 50% have voted in the entire population of Bangalore? Maybe they needed more options. Maybe women would have given a, you know, more positive vibe or whatever. Maybe that's why people didn't vote much. Okay. They didn't have options. Why Why did you vote this time? What are you looking at? I believe in the process. I'm an avid uh, Indian or whatever you say. Because I believe that if we follow the process at some point, it will click. Mm. But a lot of people are not feeling that way. I mean, obviously, almost 50% of Bangaloreans are... You know, have not felt that way. They don't feel that if they vote, they have got something to vote for. Okay, fine. What about you? What are the kind of issues that you had on your mind? You know, you have to vote for a new no. government or a new party. The first and foremost, like I want to talk about the women representation. Okay, great. So, like, um, one other, only one party which have given 33% of the seats is one Amadmi party, which they have given 30 seat, 13 seats for the women. But uh, according to my knowledge, the Karnataka people are not ready to vote for the women's. Maybe they're standing, the women's who are around us also. Maybe why, so, why do you say so? So, because uh, we have given uh, Amadmi party given uh, 13 seats. No, but not you just made a statement saying maybe they do not want to vote for women. Why see, so? yeah, that's the reason. Because we see one of the in uh, sitting Congress MLA, she has been lost in very marginal, only on two-digit votes okay. she has been lost yesterday, okay. which we saw in the news also. And coming to the development, we have seen the hell lot of this five years. 
maybe the people's mood were that they don't want uh, the entire cabinet to sit in the resort and do the politics okay okay <laughs> great great all right what about you what, what did you really vote for for a change and what is a change the change what we are looking at what personally me i'm looking out for the hatred what they were they had the previous government and the i know very well the present government we going to we are not going to have that sort of a hatred and you know the man against man and eating and there are so many things which hurt us very badly and i you know i personally wish this political government the government started dictating how you should really live yes, your life exactly and divisive right. politics what about you well i think the hindutva agenda did not go down very well with most people and i think the leadership should have previous leadership should have been more uh, vocal about denouncing it because ultimately we are all indians and we need to all live together so that's it. yes lastly what do you want to add well i uh, just walked in terms in. of infrastructure that's something which we didn't really focus about yeah uh, we do not have drinking water facilities and if it was made available in every uh, signal that would add uh, a, a, a lot of plastic you know to be okay. yeah okay all right you have uh, especially citizens speak about yes of course one major thing has been the civic issues and secondly of course uh, the women representation has not really been enough and third of course uh, they have focused on you know where the previous government could not really give, deliver in terms of whether that is the promises made as far as the development is concerned but majorly they have focused more about living in peace and harmony which they did not really experience when the previous government was there now these are the voices that we are getting you right outside with ansada from bengaluru So thanks Shrija now this is as uh, Shrija has been pointing out a landmark victory for several reasons first the scale of the congress's victory in the Karnataka assembly elections is a record in terms of both seats and in vote share a record in over 30 years secondly the bjp has lost the only southern indian state it ruled third the Karnataka elections are one of the most major elections ahead of the 2024 lok sabha elections but worryingly This election also stands out because of a dismal performance and participation of women. Take a look at these numbers. A total of 224 seats and the BJP fielded only 12 women candidates. The BJP which promises to have women's representation bill in the Lok Sabha in its general election manifesto in 2014 and 2019 clearly not too keen to walk the talk. It fielded only 12 women candidates. Uh, the congress no better in fact actually worse only 11 candidates despite its tall claims of focusing fully on women no defense for the congress it's lowered its number of women contestants to just 11 this is the party that remember introduced the women's reservation bill in the rajya sabha passed it in 2010 with on 186 votes and then failed to bring it up for discussion in the lok sabha and eventually expired in 2014 so only 185 women candidates contested out of that only 10 won and the only sitting mla uh, somya reddy lost by 16 votes the outgoing assembly had only 8 women legislators so we've done a little better we're now up to 10 joining us now we'll have uh, tara subramaniam on this um, karnataka's missing women where do the women candidates go women's participation stands at a negligible 7.6 let's take a deep dive we have manisha priyam political analyst and researcher maya sharma a senior journalist well known face uh, on uh, ndtv uh, maya 
Karnataka is supposed to be a progressive, developed state, but this, you know, is uh, belying that image. You have a marked lack of gender inclusivity, a low voter percentage, sorry, a low percentage of women political candidates contesting. Ironically, I think I read a high participation of women voters. The voter turnout for women is higher. Please explain this. Yes, women voters have been turning out. Women are interested in voting, but political parties are certainly not very interested in giving seats to women. As you pointed out, the figures, the BJP was just 12, the Congress is 11. I think the JDS had 13. But this is really a pathetically small percentage of the number of seats available. They're not putting their money where their mouth is. All of the parties talk about women's reservation, empowering women. But one place where they're all united is that it doesn't actually happen. In fact, women from different parties have got together and actually spoken about this, hoping to get more representation because it's important. But two points must be admitted, must be remembered, that even the women who have been contesting, the one who were giving tickets, are still very often relatives, wives, daughters of senior politicians. Samia Reddy, who lost by a very narrow margin of some 16 votes, she is the daughter of Ramalinga Reddy, former Karnataka chief minister. We had the wife of Janardhan Reddy contesting. We had other daughters of senior politicians, a daughter-in-law of a politician contesting. So even many of the women who are given candidates have an association. And the second unfortunate thing which happens, especially at the Panchayat Raj level, at the very uh, local level, even women candidates, when a seat is reserved for a woman candidate, it is still the husband you speak to. It is still... The person, the very often the husband who actually takes over and takes control. So even if there are candidates and even if there is reservation and even if there is an election, yeah. it's still not about letting the woman take the decisions. Tara Krishnaswamy, please uh, come in here, co-founder of Political Shakti. Um, is this surprising to you? I mean, should I ask this? Because Karnataka, ironically, was the first state to reserve 25 seats for women in the Panchayat Raj system. That was way back in the 80s. Where have we got lost along the way? Uh, it's not a question of getting lost, uh, Sarah. Um, this is true uh, for most states. Um, as you know, the average percentage of women in state legislatures is even less than the average percentage of women in the national legislature and the parliament. Um, so states in general do much worse. Uh, and in particular, the more the de more developed the state, uh, indeed all the southern states do very poorly. And the states that do uh, have more women in their legislature tend to be states like Madhya Pradesh or Rajasthan, uh, Bihar, uh, places that otherwise are uh, known to have lower human development indicators for women. Hmm. There is a, a correlation, there is even a causation, I'd argue, uh, which is in, in our work, in Shakti's work with uh, women elected representatives and women candidates, uh, it's, it's in general, political parties are much more patriarchal than society itself. It's sort of the pinnacle of patriarchy, if you will, because it's also the pinnacle of power. So um, anything you... Uh, Anything that is kind of uh, contended so uh, so much becomes very difficult to share. And when it comes to sharing power with women, that's, again, extremely difficult to do, particularly because they play in a zero-sum game. Yeah. Unlike, uh, you know, uh, while the number of medical seats in India or the number of engineering seats in India or the number of banking jobs is fixed, hmm. the number is so large that we don't realize the zero-sum game. 
But if you take something like 543 seats yeah. in parliament or 224 seats in the Karnataka legislature, then for, you know, 100 women to come in, 100 men need to, uh, you know, vacate the spots that they are sort of Mm. Uh, appropriating, if you will, without providing representation for women. Mm. And this is very difficult for uh, men to do. And the easiest way to control that is what? If you don't provide the input. In other words, if you don't put women on the ballot, there's yep. no question of them graduating to the legislature. Absolutely. So that is and what it's ends a vicious cycle, Manisha Priyam. Is it a vicious cycle? Because, you know, many experts would say that poor representation is linked to the fact that decision making in political parties involves few women. Uh, I think the answer is far more complicated than simply the numbers that we say. First of all, let's accept that this whole picture that we show of female infanticide is really about the early stages. If you look at top of the hierarchy positions in India, you will find that there is a selective weeding out of women even as they try and ascend the hierarchy. None of the IITs, for example, have ever had a woman uh, director. Uh, so there are definitely male domains uh, that have been built in India. They remain unquestioned uh, male domains and women are considered, uh, you know, in very soft ways as being unable to do some things. And recently, I would say, of late, this chehre wali rajniti, this requirement of a vikas purush who can be the development model and political advertisement for a political party on the top of the media has led to, you know, development being identified in the face of a man, yep. even though the development beneficiaries are portrayed to be women. Hmm. Look at the fact that the first promise made by the Congress party is for the Gri Lakshmi. The cylinders, for example, the cooking gas, the yep. woman needs the cooking gas. Why not have the man standing in queues for the cooking gas? So the Labharthis, the captive women who can be given 10 kgs of rice or the cooking gas cylinder or a household allowance are all women. You require them to be captive to the politics of developmentalism, but it is not equal to the politics of democratic decentralization of Ramkrishna Hegde that you talk, talked about. Now that politics of democratic decentralization threw up a lot of women leaders at the grassroots. Now go back to your newspapers, the hard archives, and you will find how many of the panchayat women leaders have been able to move up the ladder and become even MLAs. Now, when the turn comes to fight the elections for the MLAs and, uh, you know, the MPs, then hard quant concepts like winnability, for example, which yeah. basically means who can manage that constituency with how much MMM, men, muscle, and money power, and women, therefore, have to stand by the sidelines. And also, the conditions in which Indian politics is played out, not particularly conducive for women to be able to come out and stake their claims. So in many ways, more open conversations need to happen, especially after the curtains have been drawn in the heat of contest. And I'm thankful to NDTV to have been taken up an issue like this. Yes. Uh, because women are really nowhere to be seen in the fertile fields of India's democratic politics. That festival of democracy and there has the been so much coverage. requires women to queue up and vote. 
But there's been so much coverage. It's been a blanket coverage of Karnataka over the weekend, and nobody has covered the fact that we only have 10 women who have won. There are only going to be 10 representatives, and this is. And you talk about winnability. That's often used by these uh, male-dominated parties as an excuse. But this is extremely worrying because the under Maya, the under-representation of women in politics. Is this should be a huge concern to all of us because it also undermines the principles of democracy. And in the end, does it result? I mean, you've covered so many elections, you've covered Karnataka for decades. Does it result in policies that also do not reflect the needs and issues of women? Oh, definitely. Because even among the elected MLAs, how many women ministers do we see? We see cabinets without a single woman minister. And the most recent example I can think of is in the last government, when the education minister, for example, on the hijab issue, not permitting women students to wear a yes. hijab to their colleges and schools and making sure that they could not participate. He lost, didn't he? This, this is a gender issue also. It's not, it is, of course, a communal issue, but it's also a gender issue. Women, girls should be allowed to do what they want to do, wear what they want to wear. And it was a male minister who incidentally lost his election. It was a male minister who was over, was in charge of this, was in charge of the decision, in charge of implementing it. And one hopes, one does hope that a woman, if she had been there in the position of an education minister, mm. may have taken a more compassionate decision. Whereas women are given a portfolio, which is extremely important, but which is not considered important, the women and children, or maybe Canada and culture, which is, are seen, although they're very important, they are seen as the lighter portfolios. When do we get a woman home minister? When do we get a woman minister in charge of finance? When do we get a women chief minister? Why are we always mm. talking about men as potential chief ministers of, of Karnataka? When will that happen? It's, 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 it's very sad that like it's a progressive state. But where are the women? Where are the women? And uh, Tara Krishnaswamy, where are the women? Ironically, also in an election when uh, parties seem to have been focusing so much on women's welfare. 50% of beneficiaries of government schemes have been women. Not to be left behind, the Congress also announced a free public bus commute, 2,000 rupees per month aid. So they're targeting women. Women are also voting. Uh, the voter turnout for women is higher. Uh, yet we have this abysmal performance and participation of women. JDS also was racing to woo women. That's right. So uh, I'd like to correct a couple of myths uh, before I answer that question. One is that women are actually more winnable than men. Uh, if you look at the election commission data that I've plotted and written about many times from 1957 up until 2019, uh, you will see that in every single national election, uh, women have won at a greater rate than men. Okay, And this bears repeating every single general election since 1957, and I say mm. 1957 because the ECI provides gender disaggregated data only from 1957, women have won at a greater rate than men. And I choose to mention national elections because, as you can tell, in state elections, very, very, very few women get tickets. And even fewer women get party tickets. And as you know, India doesn't have a history of uh, electing independence. So first of all, the winnability is just an excuse. Political parties know their data very well. And knowing that women are more winnable, that actually makes the threat portions higher. So it is just an excuse. The second thing I'd like to say is we've talked about oftentimes women who are related to, you know, powerful, uh, politically powerful men getting tickets. The fact is 
uh, a large number of men related to politically powerful men get tickets in this yeah. very karnataka election we've had a lot of sons a lot of nephews a lot of uncles uh, contest but somehow when it comes to the women's conversation everybody says it i think we've got to stop saying it we because we are propagating the myth ourselves so what the the, the political parties if you if you mm. look at it follow a trajectory right there was a time in india when women's voting percentage was a good 15% points behind the male voting percentage then parties started to kind of emphasize and the election commission did quite a bit to increase the women's voting percentage and along with that effort and you know literacy and increase in and improvement in human development in disease more and more women came out to vote and now as you know since 2019 the graph has crossed over and in most places either women voted in equal or greater percentages uh, percentage than men so women's political participation from a i want to determine my state's fate um has certainly increased and is on par with men today then comes the second hat that women wear which is i mean this is the lens through which political parties see them which is that they want women as objects or vote banks of their uh, vote right objects of their vote or vote bank or uh, you know uh, uh, the the people they woo in order to get the vote which is where you have these schemes that you're talking about and there are numerous schemes whether it is the ujwala scheme from the bjp of uh, you know from from years ago or you know today's uh, schemes that the congress has launched for this election that mm. deliberately target women to say you know come vote for me i'm going to make your life better the uh, the third aspect which also political parties use without fail is the symbolism around women they will make sure for the most part that there is one woman in the cabinet sometimes even a woman in a in a significant position like a defense minister or a home minister but there's only one there's not a critical mass of them right or they will make sure that there are two women on stage along with the 50 men that are sitting those women will never reveal the mic they will only sit in the last row and watch the behinds of men but they will be there because the All symbolism right. needs because to be there because you don't there, want right? a manal yeah but but what doesn't happen is to actual is actual distribution of power whether it's within the party or as candidates who are able to contest the polls all right so that's thank where you. they draw the line thank you all i uh, you know like as maya i think uh, one of our panelists it was manisha priyam said i think it's important that we highlight this we don't let this go without being voice so this is a yes we're calling it a landmark election perhaps it will change many things but where are the women and no matter which party wins have women lost overall thank you all for joining us and we the people where we believe it's important to speak up but it's also important to listen thank you good night